So I found this article read that actually highlights a trend that's happening on TikTok of all things. I guess everything starts with TikTok nowadays. Yes. There is apparently a question that Elon Musk asks during job interviews, which leaves everybody stumped. Is this like a uh, IBM would always look, and if you had lace-up shoes, you got to go the next round, but if you're wearing loafers, they like cut you out of the job process? Is it one of these kind of scenarios? It's close. It's, imagine this, Reed. You're opposite the table from Elon Musk, and he asks you this question. You're standing on the surface of the earth. You take a walk one mile south, one mile to the west, and then one mile north, and you end up exactly where you started. Where are you? On the surface of the earth. And that's why I now run Tesla. Welcome to Touchpoint, a podcast dedicated to discussions on digital marketing and patient engagement strategies for hospitals, health systems, and physician practices. In this podcast, we'll dive deep into digital tools, solutions, and strategies that are impacting our industry today. We hope to share a lot of great information with you and have fun along the way. Thanks for joining us. Now, here are your hosts. Welcome back to episode number 229 of Touchpoint. I'm Reed Smith. That is Chris Boyer. Hey, Reed. I'm just sitting here walking around in circles. Not, not sure exactly where I'm at today. Exactly. Just walking in a mile circle. God, it sounds exhausting to walk a mile. But anyway. Yeah, it's no fun. No fun. Well, thanks for uh, those of y'all listening. Thanks for uh, joining us. If this is uh, your first time, welcome. If you're uh, coming back for another round, welcome back. We warned you the first time, so this is on you now. But we certainly appreciate all the support, all the great feedback that we get on the show, on the episodes, and certainly uh, you love that. So be sure, reach out, LinkedIn, Twitter, probably the best way to find Chris and I individually as well as the show itself. Uh, we certainly uh, love the feedback. While you're out on the interwebs, check out touchpoint.health. It's the website that actually houses this show and many others, close to 20 of them now. You can find out a little more about the episode that you're listening to, the show you're listening to, all the other shows, episodes, show hosts, topics, all that kind of fun stuff. But while you're there, you'll notice something called the TPS report. If you would, if I could twist your arm, it would be amazing if you would sign up for that. Uh, what it is is actually a uh, an email comes out every Monday morning, five articles to start your week. That's all it is. That's all it'll be. I'm not going to just kill you with a whole bunch of email throughout the week. Just want to get your uh, week started with five articles about the industry that might uh, you might find helpful that's curated by our show host. And uh, so, yeah, sign up for the TPS report. Rate, review, subscribe, wherever you happen to be listening. Again, visit our sponsors. And speaking of, we'll take a quick pause here and then be back with today's show. Chris, in today's digital age, your online reputation, as we all know, is crucial. With customers relying on online reviews, your first impression is also compared directly with your competitors. Sure is. And Reed, consider this. 86% of patients today read online reviews and 73% demand that that healthcare provider has a minimum four-star rating. Demand. They demand it. Yeah, they do. 
Well, to stand out, choose reputation to help amplify your brand and to build trust. Be the provider of choice in your area, understand patient sentiment, get actionable insights, and even foster patient loyalty. And look, here's the easy way you could do that. All you need to do is go visit reputation.com slash touchpoint. That's reputation.com slash touchpoint, where you can download their healthcare online reputation management guide and build a reputation that performs for you. All right, Chris, let's jump in today. This is a topic, we've actually talked about this off air for a while now about, about doing this actual episode, this show. And I think it's pretty timely. I mean, obviously, with everything that's happened over the last uh, 12 to 18 months, the idea of uh, communications and, and having resources readily available for your staff, for your stakeholders internally is really important. Most people think about that as the intranet. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that today, uh, probably bleeding into internal communications a little bit. We've got a great interview coming up uh, with Bobby Isaacson from Social Chorus. And uh, we'll talk about kind of the rise of the deskless worker, which obviously is not anything new in healthcare, but uh, we thought we'd set the stage a little bit talking about the intranet and internal communications and kind of how we got to where we are today. Obviously, a lot of people at a health system, in, at least in my experience, think that the intranet is sort of that end-all be-all, right? It's the right place to go to. It's where you put all the right information, all your policies. That's where you start your day when you uh, start your day at your job, right? At least for the people that have a computer when they work at a hospital or health system. I think so. And some of it, because I can think back from, it's been a while since I've actually been in the walls of a hospital as an employee, at least. But it was your default home screen. So when you opened a browser, there it was. Like, I'm not sure I could tell you, of course, this was some years ago, but I could tell you why I went there, what was there, or that kind of thing. But I do think it's an interesting opportunity. We've seen our workforce change, obviously. The way we communicate with them and the need to communicate with them is is heightened. And so people, you know, much like our consumers, want to be able, like this self-service model, right? Looking at, you know, chat bots and navigating the web and scheduling and all those types of things. Where our employees want a lot of the same things. And they're used to it. It's almost jarring nowadays to go to an intranet site because it's so limited. And it looks like it was built many years ago. Before we get into, like, how... The evolution is occurring. Let's. It might help for us to kind of take a step back and look at the intranet and and get a good understanding of how the intranet came to be. I found an article about the history of the intranet. Oh boy! We'll link to all of this in the show notes. But they start off by saying that the birth of the intranet fell between 1994 and 1996. That's kind of generally where they're seeing this concept of what we think of as an intranet. And the article even indicates that's a true prehistory from an IT systems point of view. 94 to 96. So this is why there's so much clip art on the internet. Exactly. <laughs> you have a clippy up in the corner that says, it seems like you're looking to log into your HR system. Can I help you? <laughs> Yeah, and then when you do click through there, you get the little under construction guy like going back and forth. <laughs> the, the article says that the goal of the internet's invention was to increase employees' productivity through easier access to documents, faster circulation, and more effective communication. In fact, the internet at, at its onset introduced 
a lot of more functionality that was present at that current time. I mean, sure, they had email, but email in 94 and 96 is pretty limited. Any other kinds of things like communications, maybe even having a document or a policy to reference to, all of that stuff was like in a file cabinet somewhere. Well, now the internet came around. There you go. That, that was like a godsend to all these businesses. And every large organization went out and rolled out an intranet to make things more efficient. More efficient. Yes. Well, I mean, you know, the initial, you know, the evolution of the intranet kind of went from like one-way communications, right? Like it was just an internal website for all practical purposes to really something that maybe had a little bit of back and forth. So maybe you could log a IT help desk ticket or something like that, or, um, you know, submit something to HR or, you know, potentially check pay, you know, click through to check payroll or I, I don't know, something to that effect. But but it wasn't a lot of interactivity. And, you know, what we're seeing now is certainly things that really have, have become, you know, in this article talks about it, but the, the social internet, you know, there's a lot yeah. more community to it. But back then, you know, when we first started this, this kind of down this track, it became a place everybody put things. Well, <laughs> they just kind of became a dumping ground to some extent. You know, it's not like people went in and found the old document and were like, you know what, I'm going to make sure I take this down so somebody doesn't find it and put the new one up. No, <laughs> that, that didn't happen. Yeah, it became, an, it really became that, right? Information overload. And then in 1998, something magical happened. Google came around. And why I say that is Google did not come around in the internet space, but the idea of what Google offered to the public side of the web so they started to implement search tools, but did it solve the problem, Reid? Uh, no, it still has not solved the problem. <laughs> <laughs> because, uh, you know, we, we've done a fair amount of work in this space over the last 12 to 18 months or so, uh, actually even pre-COVID, around intranets. And as we would talk to individuals around different health systems. What do you like? What do you not like? What would you like the internet to do? What do you use it for? You know, those types of questions, you know, these stakeholder interviews. Inevitably, uh, I can't think of one instance where somebody said, you know, search is super strong on the internet <laughs> and, and really helpful. It was very much like, I, I can't find what I need and search isn't helpful, right? And I'm paraphrasing, but it's, you know, that was one of the biggest issues is it's become a dumping ground. I can't find anything. You know, the ser search doesn't return anything that I need. It's not productive. You know, it's counterproductive. And that's a lot of what this article talks about. What do they say here? There's article, there's uh, studies that have been done by like companies like IDC and AIIM that say that office workers set aside 15 to 35% of their time searching for information. <laughs> now, I'm sure not all That's of it's good. on the internet. Some of it is also on your desktop, right? Like, where did I save that file? But still, it hasn't solved the problem. The internet has evolved, though, over the years. It's It started to get versioning. It started to have policy management software, those sorts of things. And then tools like Yammer and Jive, remember those? There are organizations that launch those because those are social internets to get really that collaborative, you know, back and forth. I still think there's some fundamental challenges, though, with intranets. Not only all of these things that haven't really been solved, but I think there's multiple owners of the intranet. Intranets are owned by, by IT, they're owned by HR, and they're owned by communications simultaneously. And that becomes a bit of a problem. Governance is one of those things that 
you know, as we think about why intranets fail, you know, I've seen a number of these, you know, kind of conversations and uh, studies and, you know, different things like that. And one of them really is, you know, they, they went through and they looked at, you know, in, in your opinion, why do internets fail? Well, a lot of it's some of the things that we've talked about, you know, people can't find, you know, the information architecture, you know, looking back to uh, one of our previous shows talking about, you know, how you structured things, that poor UI, right? Uh, and then we talked about it becoming a dumping ground and, you know, th- those types of things. You know, the purpose isn't clear. One of the main things that always bubbles up is there's unclear ownership and governance. And that one, quite honestly, in one of the studies I looked at was on par with the fact that search didn't work or wasn't helpful. The executives aren't bought in. Again, like a lot of initiatives, you've got to have owners pretty high up the food chain to really drive the importance of it. You know, things can't live outside of the intranet if it's going to be where everybody goes. Like you have to force all the communications through there. Let's reflect that on the current workforce because when COVID happened, something happened to our workforce, Reed. Yeah, we told them all to go home. And turns out they're pretty productive. So a lot of them probably going to stay there. Another quick article we'll, we'll dive into is from Forbes, the future of remote work in 2021. And they start off that says, the percentage of workers permanently working from home is expected to double this year. Double, according to a survey. I believe it. Another survey revealed that over two-thirds of companies plan to permanently shift employees to remote work even after this crisis ends. Yeah, I mean, why would you not? You know, I think, and of course, obviously, it depends on your role within the organization, the industry that your organization participates in, you know, et cetera, et cetera, right? But for the most part, I think a lot of the concern with working from home was productivity or, or it was a concern, um, bigger for some than others, maybe. It's like telehealth and the virtual care models. We were preaching this for a long time, but until people were forced to use it, it was really hard to gauge how effective it was going to be or useful or if people liked it. This is very similar in that way. It's going to save a lot of organizations uh, a lot of money. Uh, in overhead. I mean, I would not want to be in commercial real estate right now. Um, that's just, you know, that, that would be maybe a tough sell um, as we're seeing the need for, you know, commercial office space diminishing because of things like this. I see many organizations, including my own, that are implementing hybrid work models, right? Where you're in the office a little bit and out of the office a little bit. But that poses a whole nother combination of where you have remote and on-site working. And what are these? Do you have touchdown cubes? You know, do you have like dedicated office space? What about collaboration? What about teamwork? That sort of thing. These are things now that are starting to come first and foremost to mind. For internal communicators, you have to start thinking about like, well, what is this going to mean to how we could communicate more effectively? We used Office 365 pre-COVID. We had to use Teams during COVID, right? And so that now, now Teams is probably going to be, not probably, it is part of our, our work now that maybe it wouldn't have been had we stayed in the office. And so we'll see a lot of technology like that from a collaboration standpoint, stick and, and stay. You know, one thing this article points out, which I, I think is is kind of interesting, is there's a significant look at, at the space and concern. Even I've talked to a couple of CIOs lately around cybersecurity. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's 
Uh, well, I think there's a number of reasons, certainly. But as the workforce goes home, well, so does all the technology and the networks that they're on and you know, all that kind of stuff. So I would assume that's going to become you know, something that CIOs didn't realize they were going to have to really at least put this much focus around. That is certainly something. And that's another thing that is lost now with the distributed workforce. You don't have the security of being logged into a VPN. I guess there are some employees that do have VPN cards and, you know, kind of managing all of that. But I think in general, uh, cybersecurity is huge. All of these are top of mind to the, the people that are actually trying to engage with the remote workforce. And the internet never was the silver bullet that solved all of these problems around collaboration. And the tools are just that. It's really about the culture and how people work together. And when we think about internal comms and kind of where we're headed and what, what, what the future state could be, uh, it poses a really big question for all of us. And I think what we could do, Reed, is after the break, we'll come back and talk about some of the characteristics that an organization that we know very well, the Nielsen Norman Group, has found in people that are designing intranets today after this break. Coming soon from Greystone, Bowstring, and Touchpoint Media, live from HCIC, a new podcast that brings you front row access to the latest innovative strategies that are shaping tomorrow's healthcare industry. In this 12-part series, as recorded live at the Healthcare Internet Conference, we'll hear from industry experts such as Paul Madsen of the Cleveland Clinic, Kathy Smith of Roper St. Francis Healthcare, David Feinberg from Mount Sinai Health System, Rose Glenn from Michigan Medicine, and many others. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcasting platform. This podcast series is brought to you by Greystone.net, Bowstring, and Touchpoint Media. So, Reed, before the break, we were talking about the history of the intranet and how it was perceived to be like a really big silver bullet and solving all these problems and really ended up not being that way. And now we have a distributed workforce. There's an article that we found. The Nielsen Norman Group, who is a huge usability organization, and we actually referenced them a couple of times, they actually just came out with their 10 best intranets of 2021, which it's an interesting article. It links to all of the intranets. Well, it actually discusses them. I guess you can't link to an intranet, so to speak, (laughs) right? (laughs) But they actually pull out characteristics of what makes them great. And I thought that would, might be good for us to kind of think about what makes them great, because that really impacts how we should start designing solutions for our internal communications efforts. One thing that they found is that teams like IT, HR, and corporate communications, again, the very people that may own that internet, have had a great deal of pressure on them over the pandemic, trying to support unexpected, stressed, remote workforce. That actually started to reflect in how they are structuring some of the newer intranet designs. Well, they talked about you know that very fact that the win, you know the winning designs, and again, if you go check out the article, these ten you know kind of winners, if you will, really helped in that evolution. You know the the switch to remote work, the communication challenges and changes, access to tools, 
And then certainly, as you would imagine, there's an awful lot of communication, you know, pandemic related communication through there. All of those things, you know, are typically not characteristics of an intranet, if you think about it, right? Mm-hmm. Remote work, communicating fastly, access to tools. I guess there's been a big effort to try to do single sign on. Oh, I said that nasty term sometimes for IT teams to think about. But some of these teams also share common traits that made them successful, right? They were prepared to swiftly pivot. The technologies that they were using were designed in such a way where they were able to very quickly turn on some of these capabilities. Some of the uh, intranets that they looked at showed the ability to proactively message from your intranet out to your your individual employees through via other channels like text message or emails, right? So you get a proactive message. So that's an interesting way to swiftly be able to, to make some updates. Like, oh, we now have a visitor policy change that everyone should be aware of. It's no longer wait till people to come to the internet. It's push it out to them. It's an interesting perspective. You know, another another piece of that is, you know, really understanding what, you know, all the stakeholders' uh, needs are. And I think that's one evolution we've seen a little bit is, We've been very specific around like employees, like full-time employees, but not forgetting volunteers, maybe some physicians. There's other stakeholders involved in some of this. And so I think, you know, as an aside, that's something to keep in mind is, you know, really who you're trying to communicate with, but really understanding what it is that they're looking for. You know, you can do a little bit of that. I think through analytics, you know, you're going to see that they've looked up policies and this, that, and the other. I will caution around that idea, though. And we talk about this all the time with just traditional or external web builds. It's like, well, was no one looking at that content because no one cares or because they can't find it? Take the analytics piece of the existing world uh, for what it is, I guess. Yeah. And when you say understanding employees needs, it comes into what they might need to know, and you don't have to share everything that you're posting, right? Because a lot of the policies that get posted, they may not be applicable to everyone. And understand the way they want to be communicated to, and really have that kind of proactive nature to it. They also talked a lot about meeting employees' physiological work needs during COVID. So uh, above and beyond organizations, they kind of were really showed a little showed compassion for employees so they created enhanced intranet content to give managers guidance on how to conduct reviews and set goals in the midst of all of the pandemic so very very sensitive you know psychological needs that's a kind of an interesting thing to think about and i guess also how to conduct uh, a performance evaluation over zoom would be one of those right well i mean this again it's becoming the hub of everything you would have done at work or that you do at work. So annual evals is one, you know, they talk in here about, you know, collaboration tools, certainly, Uh, you know, how do you work remotely with a team or individuals or an individual Uh, and even things like the social side of the equation, like eating lunch together. Um, So it's like, you know, these are becoming, you know, it's becoming more than just a repository for documents. I've noticed that in the middle of all this, my team, we implemented Teams. One of the things that I see my team using Teams for a lot is for social collaboration. They make little jokes back and forth. The GIF part of Teams is like a big, fun thing that they do. This reminds me of like Slack. Many hospitals are using Slack and and Teams and things like that because it is a little bit more 
personable. They end the article here with three lessons from the pandemic that are likely to apply to any kind of future intranet designs. And these are interesting. The first one they say is to be prepared. If the intranet was a mess before the challenge, adapting will likely be harder than when working with a well-designed and well-structured system. Yeah. I guess that's saying, right? If you if you have a good internet, you did great. I talked to a client the other day that was like, "Hey, we really need to really need an internet. We don't have one, you know." And I feel like we're way behind. And I'm like, you know what? Honestly, <laughs> yeah. maybe better to start from scratch than trying to evolve something. Sometimes that's harder. So that's a good that's a good point. Uh, the second lesson they talk about is uh, pivoting. Every time I hear the word pivot, I think of friends. But anyway. <laughs> They said that, you know, recognize that the previous way of doing certain things or maybe most or all things uh, may not be the best anymore. So be willing to sacrifice uh, as some of the quote unquote sacred cows and uh, adopt new ideas. And I think this is even where the internet can become a way to facilitate change of the internet, right? So it's like, how do you use some of these tools to elicit feedback from all these stakeholder groups, and then how do you use that feedback to potentially make it better? You know, so but being able to pivot. One of the sacred cows might be the internet itself, if you think about it. True. The last is centralizing resources. And I think that's interesting that they end with that because that was the initial intent of what the internet was supposed to do, right? Is centralize resources. Yeah. But here they say usability may increase if information and tools that relate to the challenge are pulled together and made accessible from a single location. So in effect, the Nielsen Norman group is saying the pandemic has changed so many different things. And what we need to do is go back to the spirit of what intranets were originally created to be, a centralized, usable hub of information and tools. You know, the intranet, in my mind, is a, is a destination. Um, I mean, it's somewhere you would go. It's at a very simple standpoint, uh, you know, an internal website, if you will. I guess the question becomes, is that really what you need? Like, is that really what, what you want or need? Is that what the employees want or need? Do we, are we trying to email everybody? Are we trying to create a destination? Are we trying to put an app on everybody's phone that we can communicate with them you know, and we're going to get in the in this interview talking about the rise of the the deskless workers, which you know, again, in healthcare, uh, most of them are anyway. So, but what what is the purpose of the intranet now? That's potentially an existential question that many organizations have to face. At some organizations that are also, let's not forget, there's a lot of mergers and acquisitions coming together. There may be different emails and different email systems and different intranets too. Do we want our internal comms team to now start to synthesize all the intranets together? Or is this something that they could achieve through maybe a different type of communication medium? Maybe it is gathering emails together to do email uh, newsletter type of activity or, or text messaging, perhaps, you know, in certain cases, certainly not all the things on the intranet can be text messaged, but if you look at it, the challenges of internal comms nowadays, I think you have to start like you do with every other marketing strategy that we we think about is we have to understand our cons- customer, in this case, our employees, right. uh, understand where they actually go to get information, understand it would be sensitive to their, you know, per- the permissions of how much we can communicate with them and don't over communicate with them. And then structure a communication strategy built around all of those things, don't you think? 
Yeah, because I mean, realistically, what do, you know, this is kind of that Princess Bride that you know, word doesn't mean what you think it means kind of scenario. Because a lot of times, I think when people are saying intranet, they're really just thinking we need a better way to communicate with our employees. And the default is because historically that was the intranet or email. I don't know that that's exactly where we are anymore. So finding out, yeah, how you know who are we communicating with, how they want to be communicated with. And who's doing the communicating. So you kind of have this, these three buckets in my mind of owners, contributors, and users. And so, you know, the owners, you're, you're owning this scenario, you know, and a lot of times it's from an administrative function the the contributors are the ones actually doing the communicating. Uh, and then the users are a lot of our frontline staff. And so, you know, understanding each of those groups and what they're trying to accomplish and what they need out of a platform, a tool, initiative, you know, whatever it is, I think is going to be really important here because, you know, it it doesn't take long to get lost in, you know, a logo parade of, you know, quote unquote, internal communication slash intranet vendors, both from, we've mentioned several from a collaboration space, like a Yammer, Slack, Teams, you know, that kind of thing. You know, people hear about SharePoint a lot. Well, SharePoint's not an intranet. It's basically just a piece of software that somebody then builds something out of. In in most cases, an intranet or kind of repository for information. And then there's a lot of stuff in between: internal comms tools, email tools that that are built for internal communications, intranets that are you know kind of out of the box with a bunch of really cool features and functionality and. So there's there's lots of ways you can go here, but I think certainly putting together that governance team really understanding you know what we're trying to accomplish will will help which leads us to the interview yeah I was fortunate enough to be able to sit down here recently with uh, Bobby Isaacs and been with social chorus a lot of people have heard of social chorus internal communications platform that's been around that has a pretty big avenue into healthcare we see a lot of our hospital systems using it for internal communications but I had a chance to recently talk to him about some of the research that they've done recently about the rise of the deskless workforce and so let's uh, let's maybe take a brief pause here and then uh, we'll be back with the interview All right, welcome back to the Ask the Expert portion of the podcast. Fortunate today, joined by friend, industry colleague, uh, Bobby Isaacson from Social Chorus. Thanks for uh, spending a few minutes with us today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Reed. So uh, Bobby and I met some time ago, and and I'll let you give a little bit of your background, but for those that are are not familiar, I would assume probably most people listening to the show will have at least heard of Social Chorus, uh, and you've been there quite some time. So maybe give everybody just a little bit of background uh, on yourself and then also what Social Chorus is and does. Hopefully we're becoming uh, a little bit more of a household name, at least in the in the marketing communication space, more so than when I started. So I actually was part of the team that founded the company about 12 years ago and now head up our, our North American sales team and uh, have been honored to, to help companies ranging from, we work with Amazon and Ford and Boeing, and then the healthcare space specifically on the West Coast, ranging from Providence Health and, and Tucson Medical to um, Memorial Hermann in the South. We work with Boston Children's and, and Lehigh Valley Health Network, so a lot of healthcare. 
Uh, and what Social Chorus does for these types of organizations is better help you reach and engage and provide a, a world-class digital employee experience for, for all of your employees, whether those are folks sitting in front of a computer or running around delivering great patient experience. Um, we help engage your, your, the people. So we've been talking a little bit in the show up to this point about uh, the intranet, right, and kind of how that's evolved <laughs> over the years from an online brochure at best to a dumping ground of just documents and I don't know, just a whole bunch of junk. So anyway, but this idea of communicating with employees, I think is, is a, is a really important one. And and of course we keep talking about the last 12 to 18 months. I guess at some point we'll stop talking about that, but it has amplified this, this particular conversation. Certainly we've been having it with, with our clients as well as you guys, certainly with your clients, but with our clients over the last year or so, because things have changed a little bit, you know, we've sent people home and, and maybe they're not coming back and, you know, those types of things. But something you said, which I think is really interesting, and you guys have recently put out a little bit of information or a white paper on this kind of rise of the uh, deskless uh, workforce or workers. And that's that's probably not new to most of us listening, you know, most of the folks listening today. You know, we've got an awful lot of nurses, therapists, dietitians, physicians, clinicians, et cetera up walking around all day, right? Like they're not sitting, sitting at a computer. I want to get into like how we communicate with those folks and kind of some of those best practices. I mean, is this just the new normal? I mean, are we just not going back to the way things were? We sure think so. I, I mean, that's the data that, that, that we see. And I think that's a good thing in, in, in many ways. A lot of the ways that, that we were used to were not really built with a lot of employees in mind, right? A lot of the the technology, whether it's an internet, you know, we, I think you put it well, we, we say the internet is where, you know, good information or content goes to die, right? But um, <laughs> especially now with, with, with people going home, like we can't expect them to come to us to get information. You really have to meet them where they're at, right? And that's even mm. more differentiated and different, you know, you know, now that we're all at home, but to expect someone to come to an internet in between when they're doing their work, it's kind of a losing game. Right, so so we need to come to them, make it easy for them to get the information that they know that they need to know that that's going to help them do their job easier. And for some folks, that's going to be on email. Some it's going to be on mobile. It might be you know in, in in healthcare, right? For the people that never went home, it's going to be on digital signage screens when they're in the elevator in between you know, going to the to the um, maternity ward or whatever it may be. We got to bring the information to them. It, it's it, this helped accelerate that, right? But we knew that people weren't going to intranets and this kind of thing helped accelerate that whole idea. That's interesting. I, and I think you said it well. I, I think intranets by definition are destinations and uh, we are, we're gonna have to go find these folks. Cause again, if they don't have a desk, you can't reach them at, at that point. You know, the, the, there's, there's not a termination point there. You know, they're not sitting there. Those of us that sit in an office all day, even when I first got into healthcare and, and worked at a hospital, I sat at a desk most of the day. I mean, I, you know, I was an administrative guy or whatever. And when I opened a web browser, that was what the home screen defaulted to. I don't remember what it looked like or what was there, honestly. But not great. <laughs> yeah, it was terrible, I'm sure. But um, I probably had a calendar with nothing on it, I'm going to guess. And, uh, and, and some links to some other stuff that I didn't use. But in any, in any case, when you guys initially... Uh, kind of put out this white paper, kind of what, what was the impetus of that? Or kind of what were you guys looking for with this idea that, that, you know, deskless workers were on the rise? Was it just an assumption that you were looking to validate? In particular over the last, as you mentioned, 12 to 18 months, and hopefully we move on from talking about this, but it's, it's brought to light that 
the people that were least invested in from a technology standpoint were the people that had to keep going to work, right? Were the people that aren't in front of desks. They had to keep going into their jobs, whether they were in healthcare or any other uh, industry, frankly, right? You know, retail workers, restaurant workers, these are the people that, that had to keep going to a, a place of work. And uh, 80% of the investment in technology, when you look at the global workforce, is, is not targeted at them, right? It's been targeted at those people who are sitting in front of a desk like you, with new intranets or improved email, but that's just not the way that uh, that most employees get their information or, or is ideal for them to get their information. So this is really understanding like, hey, who are the people that have been overlooked in the workforce? And when we think of you know the front line, one of the things that's in that white paper is, is only about 13% of frontline workers actually feel engaged at work. But we just thought that there's such a huge opportunity to, to change that. Yeah, that's not a good number. <laughs> I mean, you know, along with that, some of those other stats in there that are, that, that are kind of interesting is, you know, I think there was something that were like 75% felt like they were out of the loop, you know, and, you know, the vast majority, I think it was over 80%, didn't feel like they were getting, you know, uh, communicated with or sufficient information from management or something like that. That's, I think, where we fall down. And, and I think a little bit of when we were all in person, you know, we had town hall meetings. Uh, we had we had ways in face to face communications, uh, staff shift change handoffs. And that stuff's not going away necessarily. But but I know you guys talking here, so maybe let's talk a little bit about like kind of how do you empower that frontline staff and what are those you know, what are those elements look like? Because communication certainly is part of that, right? Yeah. So so communication is part of it, but but you know one number that's also in there that I really look at as a starting point is of frontline employees. It says fifty percent. So so half of your whole workforce has no clear perception of just their company's direction. So if I don't even have a sense of the company's direction, I sure as heck am not going to know. You know when there's strategic changes or or. Um, you know, updates to our operating procedures or compliance or things like that. If I don't even know the basic company direction, there's a good chance I don't know all of the other things that are really important to the organization. And, and obviously, we think that you know, optimizing for your internal communications is, is one of the key things and starting to change that. Um, so you need to be able to reach everybody. You need to be able to get the right information to them. But then once, you know, so we look at that as step one. Once you do that, is let's look at the from the beginning, right? How do we begin to onboard people into the organization? effectively, right? Let's go right to the root of the cause. Um, so much of communication and engagement at the beginning of um, employees' journey with you, their 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 career is um, doesn't get off to a, a great start. In fact, I think one of the stats in there is, is over a quarter, I think it's 28% of new employees quit in their first 90 days. Such a huge cost to employee, to, to organizations from, from, a, from a variety of reasons. I know this is big in healthcare in particular, right? It's, 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 that's a huge challenge to keep the best talent especially that you know with, with what's going on so many people are, are burnt out they really can't afford to, to have people leave the organization now if you can invest in a better onboarding experience to where they feel like they definitely know the company's direction they feel valued at your company they know what their role is right this is not really hard stuff but you need to set it up in the first place to, to deliver the right message even if it's something as small as at the end of your first week, hey Reed, congrats on your first week at you know this you know, the company. We're so glad to have you. At the end of the second week, you know they should get a survey. Tell us how we're doing. What's what's going well? What's not? Like all this stuff can be can be with, with technology these days automated, um, but make it feel like they're they're part of the organization faster. 
Well, you know, people are used to the world being gamified to some extent, you know, and kind of what they do. And I, you know, I think about Peloton is a great example, you know, after three days in a row, you get the little badge and then five days you get another badge, you know, and so you're, you're signing up and you're trying to earn that, you know, these badges don't go towards anything. They don't mean, but it's a way to keep you engaged. Right. And, and they, they've, they have figured out how people that, you know, like to do, you know, have a ride a Peloton, you know, people are competitive by nature. And so they, they want to compete and they want to have leaderboards and they, well, in the same way, I think when we're onboarding employees, you know, they want to know like that they're valued to your point, uh, that we're glad that they're there, you know, where to go to find stuff that we haven't forgotten about them, you know, and those are all can be driven via communication technology. I think that's probably for those listening can probably, this probably resonates with, but new employee orientation at hospitals It's not something that's probably been looked at in some years, right? It's just like, oh, she's going to be out. Who's got the PowerPoint deck so I can do the thing about the benefits or whatever? You know, it, there, there's just not a lot of thought going into how are we engaging this workforce? And you now, so obviously, some do it better than others, but I think that's a, a huge, a huge opportunity. And, and one of the other things that you guys point out in here is the is the kind of reward and recognition piece. So I'm, I'm glad you asked about it. And, and there's some interesting things here. I think when people first hear gamification they think of like the, what you mentioned right now I'm, I'm, I'm a peloton rider and i get it and i um and i love the leaderboard and i love seeing where i finish and there's a piece to that when it comes to employee engagement but it goes a lot deeper than that even and, but we actually worked with two cognitive neuroscientists from cal berkeley to really get a sense of like how do we tap into the the, the brain and, and how people are engaged and connect that with technology and, and it, it goes beyond you know, leaderboards and points, that stuff is great for a while, but we're talking about people's jobs here, right? And, and there's a time for leaderboards and there's a time for points and then there's a time not. But like what, it, what the unifying piece was, the, the end result is we're talking about drops of dopamine in people's brain that make them get a little bit excited every time they come back and check this out. And it makes them have a little bit more of a positive connotation with the, the digital experience that they're having and therefore the experience that they're having with the organization. Right. And, and one of the things it talks about in the white paper there, these are basic things and, and things that we all know to do in our own you know, personal life, but we don't just do them enough at work and, and we want to make that easier. But it's just like publicizing achievements. Right. You know, if, if people are doing a good job, recognize that. Right. And, and share it with the larger organization. Everybody likes to be recognized. Right. They like to, to have their achievements shared with other parts of the org. You know, give quick digital thank you notes. Right. Yeah. Um, Social Chorus do this a lot. We have a, a, a channel in our app that's um, that is just it's just called um, shoutouts, right? And and uh, we we used to do them at team meetings, and then our company got too big to do all of them at our team meeting, and and so we constantly have them going off in our in our digital experience, right? And that works really well. And and um, you can like it and you can comment on it, but it's not so much the leaderboard as seeing hey someone else recognized me. Uh, I'll give you a, an interesting little tidbit on those lines. We did a lot of user research into like the. Uh, design and when you hit like the like button on social chorus the heart actually beats so you actually see the heart beats and we saw that like people would click it multiple times to see that right and it's a little little drop of dopamine that like makes them feel like real experience that they're interacting with we've talked a lot about heroes in healthcare and stuff like that especially over the last the last year um i think there really is an opportunity for this i i, I know Early on in my career, when we talked about patient experience, one of the big things uh, was rounding, right? Teaching 
the senior leaders to go round on the employees. And so they would have a set time each week that they would leave their office and they'd go out to the unit and, and walk around. It, and it was very purposeful, right? They had questions they would ask and to make sure people had the tools and equipment to do their job. And I mean, it had a very, it had a meaningful reason to go do it. But what we saw was, you know, there's a couple of things. Like if, you, if you're the CEO of a hospital, you're fairly busy. And so you go do this for an hour once a week. Well, you're not going to see the vast majority of these employees, uh, especially not people that work nights and weekends. And so you try to move that around as best you can. But what we found, and this was like 10 years ago, um, hey, just take a picture while you're out rounding and let's stick that on, you know, like a private Facebook group at the time. But something like the social course app would be great for this. But, but say like, hey, I was up on 3 East. Uh, had no idea Susan had been here 27 years. And uh, man, she's just such a great you know, addition to our organization. And then we noticed people would start chiming in with like, oh my gosh, I worked with her when she was in the ER back in the mid 80s. It, it just became this whole thing. And it was a great way for people to connect, but it was also certainly you know, great for this employee to see that like all these people that care, you know, it wasn't just award. So this two, this idea of two way communications and community, I think, you know, is a, is really where a lot of this is headed and we've had it in the collaborate quote unquote collaboration software. But I think the community aspect of this is really important. Uh, and I'm sure you guys are seeing some of that. Yeah. All the time. Actually, we have a, we have a hospital leader. He's the uh, president and CEO. His name's Jack and, and, and they use social chorus. And in social chorus, you have these things called channels or topics, which employees can, can follow. Right. And one of them that they created is called just Jack and it's just him. And he goes around, like you were saying to different hospitals and employees and he'll literally, you know, he'll, he'll take a selfie and he'll give a shout out, right. To all the people who have been working, you know, nonstop and, and giving them recognition. And you're right. You know, I think most of the times when you look at the backgrounds of the photos, you can see it's during daytime, right? But at least it increases the shelf life of that interaction, right? For him to be able to share that photo, you know, at mention and say thanks to these people. And then you see the comments roll in and people that weren't there at the time can get recognized, but they feel that connection, right? And they feel like, wow, this is, this is cool for my, my CEO is recognizing the work that I'm doing. And just to being able to make that connection, even though for some folks, it still only may be digital, you know, it, it, it brings people together uh, that they weren't before. It changes the perception even a little bit, right? I mean, because like this guy, I'm sure is a great guy. And, and a lot of these folks that run these organizations are wonderful people. But when you get that that annual employee survey and it's like, how well am I communicated with from senior leadership? And you go, uh, fine, I guess. I, I don't know. I hadn't seen anybody. I work, you know, weekends. I, they're not, I don't really have an opinion. Like I don't see them. I don't hear, you know. But if I've seen that, you know, there's channels in there, right? And and I see that like, oh, well, shoot, yeah, well, I mean, he's out all the time, you know? It just changes that perception of, I still haven't seen the individual, but I know they're doing these things, right? And I think that's it's such a, a powerful opportunity. And I think this is where digital plays such an interesting role. Uh, I'm not sure, quite honestly, that I can come up with a better value proposition maybe for digital than like this idea of internal communications and stakeholder engagement and, you know, that, that kind of world. I mean, there, there's other things we have to do. We've got to do the marketing campaigns and we've got to, you know, build websites and you know, all those kinds of things. But, um, you know, I know, especially in healthcare, if we can engage and retain workforce and reduce turnover rate, then quality is going to go up. 
consistency is going to go up, all those things go up. And that makes for the better patient experience, better outcomes. It it just is a trickle down effect. Yeah. It's it's interesting to think about where the investments have been made and where the digital experiences are are today where versus where maybe they should be, right? But if, if you think in healthcare, right, the people that are interacting with the patients, the people are driving those patient experiences, those HCAP scores, whatever it may be, right? Those are not the people typically that are sitting in front of a computer or sitting in front of an email waiting for, for something, right? Those people that are that are on the go, you almost don't want them looking at a phone, right? You want them interacting with, with patients and living a good experience. And so we have to, you know, uh, provide a, a, a digital experience that works for them, right? And, and to date, that hasn't been invested in, but that's changing. And if we can do that, it just, it's, it, it, those are the people that are, that are the face of your organization, whatever you are, healthcare or, or otherwise. And, and, and we need to invest in them because, uh, that's oftentimes what our, our patient or our customer, whoever it is, that's, that's the, the core part of their interaction with you. And, and we should invest in those people. Man, I think that's great. I, you know, I'll encourage folks to to go download this uh, empowering your your frontline with tech. This white paper, um, you know, it talks about these three steps of optimizing internal communications, investing in the onboarding process, and then certainly the the reward and recognition piece of of uh, frontline employees. But you know, for those that are listening. What's something they can do today? You know, is there a conversation to go uh, be had? Is there um, you know, something to start kind of looking at or thinking about? But what, what, is, what is maybe that good first step? Yeah, well, I don't know if it's, it's a first step for everybody, but a lot of the folks that I talk to, um, when, when we think about, I ask communicators and marketers, you know, what, what, are your, what are your business objectives? And they immediately kind of revert to their their comms objectives, their communications objectives. And they say things like, well, we need to reach more people or we need to increase viewership or whatever it is. And I, and I asked them again, like, no, what are your business objectives, right? Those are your communications goals that you're trying to hit, but what are your real business objectives, right? And, and if they don't know that, like I'd say, you know, talk to different leaders in the organization, right? Talk to your chief nursing officer, talk, talk to your head of operations, your, your environmental health and safety team and understand what are you trying to achieve that communications could help drive. Right, because communications that actually drive outcomes, whether it's increasing your your patient experience you know, scores, if it's increasing you know safety, wh- whatever it may be, communications can help drive that. But you need to know what the, the larger business is trying to drive, and and then you can really, you know, tech can do a lot of that. But you have to have your strategy and your business objectives first. And, and so I think that's a good conversation to have. His name is Bobby Isaacson. Social Chorus is the company. If people would like to reach out to you, track you down, ask more questions, what's the what's the best way for people to find you? Sometimes, unfortunately, I'm I'm glued to my email, so it's just Bobby at Social Chorus is probably the best one. Very cool, man. Thanks for coming on for a few minutes. I'm sure there'll be other topics in future shows. We'll have you guys back on, but. I uh, really appreciate the uh, the time and the insight. Yeah, likewise. Thanks thanks for having me, Reed, and, and enjoy working with you guys. And I would be remiss to say, um, if, for those that are still listening and working in healthcare, really, really appreciate all that you are doing to keep people safe in these times. And uh, thank you. Special thanks to Bobby for coming on the show. Certainly appreciate his insights and uh, was great to hear a little bit about uh, some of the things that they're seeing and uh, encourage you to uh, go check out the, the study and some of those other stats. Mentioned the TPS report earlier in the show and would encourage you to sign up for that, certainly for the five articles that come out each Monday morning that'll kind of get your week started. 
but also on there, there are a couple of other things that you may want to check out. So down at the bottom of that email, there's just some quick links to upcoming industry education and uh, conferences and all that kind of fun stuff. So if you want to know what, what and when, uh, be sure to check that out. You can click the register, learn more, all that kind of fun stuff. All right. Uh, recommendations. Yeah, Reed, I am going to recommend a television program that I started to watch. It just recently came on. I'm a subscriber to Disney Plus, which is good. There's a lot of benefits of Disney Plus. I think they're really good content. Of course, they have, you know, all the Disney. They also have all the Star Wars and they also have all the Marvel movies, which is great, right? Uh, And they also have National Geographic, just so you know. Uh, The Marvel shows that they've been producing the television programs that they've been producing recently have been just really fantastic. I'm not sure if you're a Marvel fan and have watched WandaVision or the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Well, the one they just came out with, and now by the time we're recording this, we're only in episode two, is Loki. Oh, yeah. The evil brother, right? Or stepbrother or i'm not sure what you know of of thor uh he had he was a big prominent part of a lot of the movies this gets into a storyline where he is pulled from the timeline because as you know he can it's weird with marvel you can go in various different timelines and he's put in front of the time police to address you know like the fact that he has committed too many crimes and has set the course of history off in time and it's really interesting the way they kind of conceptualize this idea because it's almost like a modern day court system in a very supernatural sort of way. In, in effect, it's become sort of a crime drama. Loki becomes someone to help the detectives, the Time Lord detectives, solve a case over the course of multiple different realities through multiple different things of time. But it's really a crime drama. And it's just done really well in kind of this weird, bizarre, supernatural, superhero sort of way. You got this really great crime drama that's going to come out every week. But I'm just loving it to death. I think it's one of the better shows that I've seen of all of the Marvel spinoff TV shows that are out there. So that's going to be my recommendation this week. Loki, go check it out. Yeah. Very nice. I'll have to check that out. Yeah, Disney's got a lot of good stuff on there. Um that's a good good streaming service secondary recommendation i am going to recommend an ep Uh, i'm not a country fan but a country ep came out that's got a couple of catchy tunes on there that are kind of fun to listen to be good for summer uh it's by an artist named walker hayes walker hayes and uh, the ep is called country stuff and he's got a couple of good songs on there country stuff obviously being one of them uh, he's got a really funny song, kind of a neat song called Fancy Like. That's really pretty catchy and I think doing well right now. And quite honestly, he's a pretty good follow on Instagram. So he, he's got like six kids and does a lot of funny videos and stuff like that. So um, yeah, so Walker Hayes, uh, country stuff. All right. Gotta check that out. Um, Well, very cool. It's a great episode, a good topic, certainly timely, something that that people are going to be really kind of thinking through. We're having more and more of these conversations. It seems like every day, but certainly every week. So just something that's uh, top of mind for a lot of folks. So it was great to to get this one done and uh, certainly appreciate everybody tuning in. Thanks for telling a friend, rate, review, subscribe, all that kind of fun stuff. We certainly appreciate the advocacy, the support 
for, for what we're doing. Uh, we'd love for you to check out some of the other shows over at touchpoint.health. Mm-hmm. For Chris Boyer, I'm Reed Smith, and we'll see you next week. This has been a Touchpoint Media production. To learn more about this show and others like it, please visit us online at touchpoint.health.